chapter forty of order number eleven this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit librivox org order number eleven by caroline abbott stanley chapter forty the old order changeth when the trevilians reached jefferson city they did what hundreds of refugees from the depopulated counties were doing in different parts of the state they went first to the home of friends whose hearts were big enough to take them in with all their poverty and wretchedness the one gleam of sunlight on this dark page was the infinite depths of human sympathy it brought to light the people of missouri were sore pressed in sixty three business was paralyzed money was hard to get death was rampant and taxes went on but when the fleeing refugees came thrust out by powerful pitiless hands they took them in and ministered to them old furniture long disabled was mended up and put into empty hands the children were huddled closer together that the surplus bedding might go to cover shivering little ones storerooms were ransacked to find something that could be spared for those who had nothing in many cases it was silver and gold have i none but such as i have give i thee said one of those refugees thirty years afterward holding up a battered dripping-pan as she spoke this with a stove was sent to me by mrs emily henderson when i went down to fulton in sixty three a house and lot would not be to me now what that cook-stove was then the good samaritan who had taken them in said to colonel trevilian a day or two after they arrived colonel i have a little old house down here it really was in poverty hollow but he didn't like to say so that doesn't bring me in anything i can't rent it i'm ashamed to offer it to you but if you could make it do till you can look around colonel trevilian grasped his hand every feature working with emotion my friend he said i shall take it as a gift from god and so in a little shack with an old rag carpet given by one a cord bedstead and a trundle bed by another with such odds and ends as the good samaritan's wife could collect the trevilians began again in poverty hollow it was much in those days to have temporary relief but when they were housed and fed and clothed and the oil of consolation poured into bruised hearts there was always the pressing imminent question of maintenance they were comfortable now but what should they eat and what should they drink and wherewithal should they be clothed to-morrow colonel trevilian asked himself this question with agonizing iteration as he walked the streets of the capital city he was just the kind of man to shrink from either debt or dependence and yet the owner of thousands of acres of the richest land in the state he was penniless what they would have done without the cow nobody knows but the cow rose to the occasion people can live a long time on milk then a grocer was found who did not have a cow and a washerwoman who could not sew and a system of barter sprang up it isn't as if we really worked for money said miss nanny to virginia we've always done their sewing while they did our washing of course assented virginia tearing off the widths of aunt sylvie's new dress she was wondering how she could get some shoes aunt sylvie precipitated the economic question that was bound to be settled some time miss nanny i'm monsus proud of dat frock you all made me i showed it to old woman judy and now she say ain't you gwine to make her one 
i told her you made mine fur de washin and she low she got some mighty fine chickens she'd give you fur de makin of a dress miss nanny raised the cover of a box before she answered and looked in there was a little piece of middling there nothing else and mrs trevilian was sick and had been wishing that very morning for chicken soup she turned to aunt sylvy tell her to bring the dress over she said i'll make it she told virginia about it that night don't tell your father she said you know how he feels about women working they had to tell mrs trevilian they had been doing this kind of surreptitious work for months when one day a mulatto woman arrayed in tagged-out finery that presented a striking contrast to the comfortable plaid lindsays of a few years ago knocked at the front door miss nanny was alone she had seen the woman from the window she replied to the knock before it ended go round to the back door she said without circumlocution her eyes flashing the woman hesitated made a face at the closed door and obeyed when she came in she stood transfixed laws a mercy ef it ain't miss nanny trevilian she exclaimed miss nanny looked up quietly from her sewing howdy tildy you are mrs pascoe's tildy ain't you the woman threw herself sprawling into the only rocking chair the room held no'm she said bridling i ain't nobody's tildy i belongs to myself now ain't you heerd about de proclamation the proclamation repeated miss nanny dryly yes i believe i have i'm miss maud hubbard now said the girl with a simper i don't go by the name er tildy no mo i done tuck de name er hubbard miss maud hubbard for some reason miss nanny who was kindness and consideration itself to aunt sylvia and aunt judy and the rest of the white turban tribe was not responsive to miss maud hubbard the woman rocked herself back and forth eyeing the silent seamstress with evident satisfaction how did you know we were here asked miss nanny one o der colored ladies told me dey was a white woman over here dat took in sewin but i never spicioned it was you miss nanny i never spected to see de day when you'd be sewin fur de colored people i don't know why said miss nanny i've sewed for them all my life but you ain't done it for pay returned the girl striking with unerring instinct at the sorest spot dat's what i'm maritin about you doin of it for pay miss nanny was speechless with rage tildy was looking critically around the bare room looks like you was seein mighty hard times miss nanny where's all yo things gone to kansas said miss nanny grimly to kansas what fur to help put down the rebellion what'd you say miss nanny i said the kansas soldiers took them the same that took you i reckon Ah. Oh, she lapsed into silence looking through the open door into the other room and taking in with pleasure all its poverty and bareness de war's made a heap er changes she remarked complacently she was misled by miss nanny's impassive manner what do you want miss nanny asked abruptly she felt her patience giving way the woman turned to her bundle is you ever made any party dresses miss nanny yes she was thinking of the last one she had had it was of lavender silk and she had made it to wear to tom caldwell's in fair out on the prairie it seemed a thousand years since then well i want to get you to make one for me she was unrolling the bundle as she spoke and laying it in miss nanny's lap but she was not quite ready yet for the details of business yassum de war sholy has made a heap er changes she repeated reflectively i certainly 
never spected to see de time when miss nanny trevilian would be makin a ball dress fur a colored lady fur pay you haven't seen it yet said miss nanny you haven't got money enough to oh i gwine to pay you the girl said with a toss of her head i got plenty er money is virginia workin too you impudent black hussy cried miss nanny hurling the words at her as if they were missiles get out of here if you ever set foot on this place again i'll set the dogs on you she had forgotten that the dogs too were gone miss maud hubbard shot through the door with one agile bound her effects in the shape of a shower of pink tarlatan and linings and spools and ribbons followed her to be picked up later then miss nanny slammed the door and dropped in a passion of humiliated tears on the trundle bed virginia found her thus a half hour later oh verge verge she cried hysterically i've killed the goose that laid the golden egg why aunt nan what in the world have you done done i've called a nigger an impudent black hussy and i ought to have called her a colored lady when she had made her explanation virginia looked sober i'm afraid our business is done for aunt nan but she drew a long breath it was worth it that night she sewed up her shoes once more and put in an extra layer of pasteboard of all these business complications colonel trevilian knew nothing there's no use telling him miss nanny had said and his wife and daughter agreed with her no it would humiliate him beyond measure to know that the women on the place are at work and he is not said mrs trevilian you know how he has always felt about your doing anything nan that is anything except about the house i know said his sister with a half sob but mercy sister betty people's ways have got to change now and their notions too they lived in daily hourly hope of his finding something to do he was familiar with legislative work he had been representative more than once and he had been a first-class farmer but it is hard to find work in middle life especially when all the old traditions and methods and institutions are tottering around one colonel trevilian as the days went by walked in a dazed way through the new order of things there were government offices but they were naturally not for one who was a southern sympathizer there were places enough of certain kinds but young men were the ones sought for them there were business openings too but capital was needed to make use of them there are few greater tragedies in this world than the daily struggle for existence especially for one who begins the struggle late one day when colonel trevilian had gone hopefully to try for a position only to find it filled the man said in response to a question no sir i don't really know of a thing not a single thing in this town that you would be likely to get unless he hesitated looked hastily at the colonel's stately form and then away i am willing to do anything honorable sir said colonel trevilian anything well said the man with some embarrassment they say they are needing men at the prison just now in what capacity sir asked the colonel eagerly as guards colonel trevilian started he had thought he was ready for anything i thank you sir he said at last with difficulty i-i will consider it yes firmly i will consider it sir he lifted his hat with the grace of a courtier and walked slowly down the street stumbling a little as if he were not sure of his footing poor old fellow the man said looking after him and shaking his head that's a sad case he belongs to a past order how colonel trevilian considered it one knowing the traditions of his race and of his age could conjecture but the woodpile was nearly gone and the mercury falling he walked around to where he knew a prison gang was at work 
he said to himself that there would be no harm in that it would not commit him to anything certainly not he stepped rapidly until he came within sight of them then he moderated his pace and sauntered by looking at them casually in passing the guards stood gun in hand he tried to think of himself in that position no no one might better be an overseer he thought bitterly he quickened his steps he wanted to get away out of sight of the miserable wretches in their zebra coats how hideous daily association with criminals must be but it was very cold he buttoned his overcoat tight around his throat and then a minute later threw it open at the neck somehow the thing choked him and after his rapid walking he needed breath his way was straight east he was nearing the outskirts of the town and the prison lay that way at the side of the walls he stopped i don't know what i have come out here for he said to himself i certainly am not going to be a prison guard why it is monstrous monstrous but when he essayed to turn his steps he seemed drawn forward something impelled him from within it was a lonely road as he stumbled on fragments of sentences fell from his lips he did not know he was thinking aloud it is very cold and getting colder yes only three sticks then he drew himself up a guard did you say a guard his lip curled in scorn why sir she is a descendant of the cavaliers but the child needs the shoes virginia fatal name well i i will consider it it was late when he got home he came stumblingly into the room he felt very old it was hard to lift his feet what would they say had been the burden of his thoughts oh no they would say nothing but what would they think how would they feel ah but what was a man to do he asked himself looking around fiercely they were all there he had hoped to find his wife alone she took his hat and drew him to the blazing fire come and get warm mr trevilian she said cheerfully it is cold to-night she saw that something had happened he sat down and held out his hands to the blaze betty she was beside him instantly was it beverly what is it dear i have got work you have oh i am so glad where at the prison the prison she echoed yes he said with bitter cutting emphasis i go to-morrow as a guard for a moment there was dead silence it was broken by a dismayed ejaculation from miss nanny brother mrs trevilian shot a swift glance of warning at her sister-in-law not for naught did the blood of the cavaliers course through her veins if blue blood is not for emergencies like this what is it for she drew her husband's head close to her as she stood and smoothed back the iron-gray locks then she sat down by him and looked with unflinching eyes into his i'm glad very glad she said cheerfully it is not what you want but what you can get these days and you'll be a prince among guards my dear there was a ringing note of courage in her words that roused him like a clarion a look of ineffable relief stole over his face will it be hard work she asked he did not answer he did not hear her he took her hand reddened and roughened by unaccustomed toil and raised it to his lips not in the sunny days of courtship had she been so unspeakably dear to him as now a prudent wife is from the lord he said her price is far above rubies the heart of her husband doth safely trust in her she shall do him good and not evil all the days of her life amen said miss nanny inaudibly i wonder if i will ever have any sense she added to virginia in the other room 
i know sister betty is the best woman in the world End of chapter forty